And again, today, I want to um, just say good morning. My name is uh, Corey. I am one of the pastors here at Kingwood Church, and I am excited to continue in the series that we've been going through in the book of Hebrews. It's been so good. How many of you have been reading along? Anybody in here been reading? It's so good. Such a good book, so rich and full of, of some things that just take the entire gospel, and it just encapsulates so perfectly in Hebrews, and I love it. It's so encouraging. But before we do that, I want to give you the opportunity. This will be your third time in the room and the fourth time online for you guys to hear us talk about top three. But I want to bring out something to your attention that we're doing next week, and I'm so excited. It's called our Freedom Day. So if you'll scan the QR code once more, there'll be some things on there, the three things that are the most important that are going on. Remember next week, we're going to be celebrating Um, not just the freedom in our country, but the freedom to worship Jesus and to come together. It's a big deal. And what better way to celebrate that freedom by, by taking our rights that we have as Americans and bringing it here in this church and worshiping together. So if you're in town, if you're online, you can tune in. If you're at the lake, you can still watch and join us. I cannot wait. It's going to be a good day. Um, so the book of Hebrews um, it's, it, like we said earlier, it's, it just goes through the books of the, of the Bible and just talks about all the things that Jesus is better than and what he offered to us as Christians. We talked about Jesus is better than angels. We talked about Jesus is better than Moses. He's better than the Levitical priesthood. And last week, Pastor Martin just did such an incredible job talking about he is better, he is a better promise. And today we are going to pick up in the book of Hebrews in chapter nine. And if you have your, your Bible with us today, we're gonna look at that and we're gonna start with verse one. Let's read that together. It says, now the first covenant had regulations for worship and also an earthly sanctuary. A tabernacle was set up in the first room was a lampstand in the table with it, consecrated bread. This was called the holy place. And behind the second curtain was a room called the most holy place, which had the golden altar of incense and the golden covered ark of the covenant. The ark contained the gold jar of manna, um, which kind of makes me wonder, did they have something going on with McDonald's there? I mean, can you manna in the bread? If, if they actually put bread in the jar, that's kind of interesting to me. And then Aaron's staff that budded, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. That's a very interesting story. And then last, the stone tablets of the covenant, which was the Ten Commandments. And so then God said to us, let us make mankind in our, oh, that's, that's next. We'll get to that in a minute. Let's talk about Hebrews 9, 1, real quick, through 4. So in order to understand what Hebrews 9 is talking about, we've got to do a little bit of history. And I like history. I don't love studying history. I'm not Pastor Mark, um, but hopefully I have sat under him long enough that I can do him, um, make him proud and talk about, we're going to go through the Bible and, and all, we're going to start all the way back to Genesis and we're going to talk about what that meant. What did, what did Hebrews mean, the writer of Hebrews mean when he's talking about a better sanctuary? And to understand that, we've got to understand the initial language of where the temple language started. And we're gonna go all the way back to the Garden of Eden and we're gonna read Genesis chapter one, 
Now we're going to get there. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. It says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our own image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over livestock, and of the wild, all the wild animals, and over all creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. So what does that mean? It's kind of like when you look at someone's kid and you go, man, they are a spitting image of their dad or they are a spitting image of their mom. It's the same concept. I know um, growing up when McKay was little, everyone used to say, she is your mini you. She is a mini Corey. And of course I was proud and, and you know, McKay, she's, I think she's okay with it now. Um, and then they would say, Ella Rose is a spitting image of Jason. And it's so true. She favors Jason a lot more than she does me. One thing that she inherited from Jason that she originally did not like was her curly hair. And when she was little, she was probably about three years old, her hair was so curly. And if you know Pastor Jason, if you've ever recognized when his hair grows out a little bit, it gets a little curly. So Ella Rose inherited that image from Jason and uh, she used to ask me to straighten it just for fun. So I'd straighten it and she'd run around saying, I'm not Ella Rose, I'm Callista. And I have no idea where she got that name from. She made it up all in her own imagination. But it's the same thing with us. How many of you have heard people talk about their, your kids and say, oh, your kids are a spitting image of you? It's the same thing. God created human beings in his image. And in the same way Adam and Eve were made in the image of God, we reflect his image. In ancient times, Idols representing deities were often housed in temples. And so the underlying message conveyed in Genesis 1 through 2 is evident. Humanity was created by God to dwell with him and to reflect his image in the world. During this time of Adam and Eve, there was no need for a physical structure. Everything was, was um, in harmony. We connected with God. Adam and Eve had first-hand connection with God and nature and with each other. And there was no need at that point for a physical temple. Adam and Eve were able to go into God's presence whenever they wanted. However, as we know from history, and if you've read Genesis, that state didn't last long. In fact, as early as the third chapter, they had chapter one and chapter two to get it right. And then the third chapter, we know that Adam and Eve rebelled and it landed them in the estrangement of um, the garden from one another and from God's presence. So then we have the question, will God restore his presence to us? Will God restore his presence? And the answer is yes. And he does that, and that's where we pick up today, talking about the temple and the temple purpose, leading us all the way up to today. So God never intended to leave us alone. He, ne he never intended for us to be just left alone on the earth. And so we fast forward to the story in Exodus after the Hebrew pe people were in slavery for over four, almost 400 years. They're disconnected from God. They're disconnected from their identity in God. And they, are, they forget that they are image bearers of the living God. God commanded them to construct a temporary 
tabernacle. It was a tent that served as his dwelling place for his presence, that he could bring them back to the remembrance that, hey, I still want to commune with you. I still want you to be connected to me. And that's what the tent was constructed for. It was a temporary tent. They carried it around everywhere they went. And then centuries later, we get to the place where King Solomon finally builds a permanent structure out of brick and mortar of the temple. And it was referred to as a house of prayer by all nations. This temple was magnificent. It was beautiful. It was so popular that people from all cultures came and visited. In fact, even the Queen of Sheba went and visited this temple of King Solomon. And she, it says in history that she was in awe of it. And, you know, just studying it and getting ready for the day, it's so interesting that, that people from all over visited and wanted to know and to be in the presence of God. So here's the question again. Had God restored what was lost in the garden? Had God restored that connection? Sadly, we read on, and similar to Adam and Eve, Israel's leaders rebelled against God. And consequently, the temple was destroyed, and then the people of, of God were exiled. And though a second temple was eventually built, it was, it was built right there, again, we know from history that it also, too, succumbed to destruction. But then, in Hebrews, we pick back up, and this is where it gets good. This is where the temple and, and talking about Jesus and bringing us a better sanctuary really kind of hits home. In Hebrews 9, we're going to read verse 11 through 12 together. It says, when Christ came as a high priest of good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands. That is to say, it is not a part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats or calves. He entered by the most holy place once for all by his blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. And then we jump down to verse 24 and it says, for Christ did not enter a sanctuary with human hand, made with human hands. That was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself now to appear for us in God's presence. So I'll ask the question again. Can humanity dwell in God's presence again as he originally intended? And the answer is yes. That's what we're doing today. That's, that's what we came here to do. And each one of you worshiped because you have, if you were a Christian and you have made Jesus, a, a relationship with Jesus in, in your life, you have the ability to go into the presence of God because God had a plan the entire time, all the way from Adam and Eve to the, the Hebrews in the wilderness, to King Solomon's temple, to Jesus coming to earth. God's plan was all a foreshadowing of where he was gonna bring us today. And I think it's so cool. And that's where I love history because this is what it means for us that we have a better sanctuary. We have a better temple because our temple 
is, is not temporary. What we have is eternal in Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches us that when we begin a relationship with Jesus, that we become a temple of the Holy Spirit. And today we have that Holy Spirit that we carry in a, with us in the world. If you're a Christian, you carry that presence into the world. And in 1 Corinthians six nineteen, it says, do you not know that your bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit? who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And then in Ephesians 2, 22, it says, and in him, you are all being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So by God's incredible design and plan, watch what happens when Jesus entered the world who died for our sacrifice once for all. You see um, this graphic they put up on the screen. You see that little bitty red dot. And if you're online, you can see the same thing. That red dot, that was King Solomon's temple. That's where people had to go. And only a handful of people can go in and they could, um, they could go into the presence of God. But in God's infinite wisdom, he pre-planned before creation of the world. He made a way for us because he knew we would need it. And we know that because the word became flesh. And in John 1, 1, it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing being made has been made. In him was life and that life was the light of mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. Even though darkness tore down the original temple, darkness could not win. Jesus came, and when he died, and he entered a better sanctuary, not made of human hands, but heaven itself, God reconnected humanity to his presence once for all. And so remember when we read 1 Corinthians six nineteen. do you not know that your bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit? Remember this scripture. And then we read in Ephesians 2.21, in him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple for the Lord. So God's presence goes from this image that you see on the screen now, that one little red dot, to this image right here. All of the red dots represents God's presence in the whole earth because of you and because of me. We carry the presence of God. See, the presence of God, when you hear people say that we are the church, that's what they mean. And although we have a beautiful sanctuary, we have an incredible campus that God's given us, that is not where the presence of God resides. The presence of God resides in you and me. And when you're watching online, when you're watching the church service, you don't, you don't have to say, oh man, I'm missing out on God's presence because God's presence lives with you where you're at to empower us. It's there to help us to take our next steps. God's presence is there to help us to share Jesus. It's our responsibility to be that movement of hope. You know, I've heard a lot of people say, oh, I heard Kingwood is a movement of hope. What are they doing? Show me what they're doing. And you know, we try to communicate everything that we're doing. We have a lot of stuff going on. We started the whole top. That's why you heard top three, four times today because we, we got tired of hearing everybody ask. Y'all don't tell us enough. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> 
It is part of it. We got to communicate what we're doing as a church. But when you see top three on there and it says special needs outreach coming up, you know, we did an Easter egg hunt for our special needs this past year. You know, those kids going and grabbing the Easter eggs and picking them up and, and us being able to love on them. The Easter egg did not carry the presence of God. No, that was just a tool. That was a tool as a church where we saw a need, we came together and we said, let's help these people and let them know how much they're loved. And through us, Nikki Maccabee, she leads that ministry. Through Nikki Maccabee, the Holy Spirit in her, she became the church to those people and was able to show them the love of Jesus. And so that means you don't have to wait to see what's going on at Kingwood. If you're a part of Kingwood Church, you are the movement of hope. Not, not the activities that we do, not the outreaches that we do. Yes, they're important. And yes, they're a tool that God uses to be able to help us to bring hope to people. It's a tool. But when we show up, when we come to be a part of that outreach, or we come here on Sunday morning, when you go to work, when you go home to your family, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's our responsibility to carry his presence. Now, I wanna do a little more digging down into the, the Ark of the Covenant because I think it's so good to understand God puts three items in the Ark of the Covenant. We read that earlier, and we're gonna look at those three items because I think that some of those things are important for us to understand when we have God's presence, what that means for us. So if we're the earthly temple, um, and let's read in Hebrews 9, verse three through four, remembering us as the earthly temple, okay? We're, we're remembering that. So put a pin on it and let's read the scripture. Behind the second curtain was a room called the most holy place, which had the golden altar of incense and gold covered Ark of the Covenant. The Ark contained the gold jar of manna Aaron's staff that had budded in the stone tablets of the covenant. So the first thing is manna that's mentioned. And manna represents how God provides, right? God provided, he gave them manna. He gave them food. He gave them what they needed in that moment, so if God is a giver of providing for needs, if God gave, that means that we, his people, when we carry his presence, we are givers. It's our responsibility to give and to help provide for the needs of people. God has put what's inside of us, everything that we need. You know, I read, um, I don't know if Jordan's here. He is here this morning. Jordan, one of our worship leaders, he's an incredible young man who has the anointing and call of God on his life. He wrote a post this week. Um, Jordan's been through a little bit and he wrote, he said, I'm so thankful for everyone who has texted me and encouraged me. He lost his mom. And he, he got a lot of texts and love. People just poured out from this church to him. And he made such a powerful statement, Jordan. It just, it moved me so much. He said, I'm so thankful that in the body of Christ, we find everything we need. Because that's what we are here for. We're here because God put his Holy Spirit in us. And we have, you may have what your neighbor needs. You're a giver. You are a giver. And it's not just financial giving, it's encouragement. 
It's love. It's serving. You know, my mom, she's a, she's a widow. She don't have a lot of money, and she's on a fixed income. But my mom, who has very little on earth, she just has enough to just pay for her personal bills. She goes to the pregnancy center twice a week to serve and to volunteer because she knows that she carries the Holy Spirit in her and that she has the responsibility to be a giver. Now, let's look at the second thing. It says, being a giver does not just mean, I'm sorry, let's back up a little bit. Aaron's staff. So number two, the second thing that we find in the Ark of the Covenant is Aaron's staff, which I, I knew about this story a little bit, but being able to study it, it was so interesting to me because the, they were instructed, this is how God instructed to, to find the leader that would lead them. He said, from each tribe, the 12 tribes, everyone bring a staff. Um, it could have been a, a rod. It could have been a walking staff. But everyone bring a piece of wood is what it was pretty much. It was a part of a tree that was cut off. And so when you cut a tree, you know, it's, it, you're, cutting it, you're, you're cutting it off from the root or any kind of nourishment to it. So this was a miracle that happened. He said, the one that I choose to be your leader, their staff will grow fruit on it. And so God provided leadership. We know if you read through the scripture that Aaron's was the one that, that budded and um, it, it produced fruit. And so they knew, okay, this is the person that is supposed to lead us. God leads wherever we need. God will be, always be faithful to, to set up leadership and structure. And so the staff of Aaron was his guidance. And if God leads, that means that if we carry the presence of God in us, that if we are leaders. If God's a leader and God leads, that means that we lead. We have the responsibility. Aaron provided guidance, somebody that would point the way, who would go to prayer on behalf of people, who would make sacrifices in order that God's people could see and know him better. So we as the church are called to lead. It's our responsibility to lead people to Jesus. That's the number one responsibility that we have as Christians is to lead people to Jesus. And God has put that on the inside of us. He's given us the ability to guide people and to lead them. And then the third is the 10 commandments that was listed to be in the Ark of the Covenant. And through the Ark of the Covenant, the 10 commandments, and through what God had given as a law, God fulfilled his promise. And because God fulfilled his promise to us through the covenant by sending Jesus, the perfect sacrifice to set us free, knowing, he knew that we would need his help in keeping the laws. The, the, the laws were the, the 10 commandments and God sent Jesus to help us. And it says in the scripture that God fulfilled his promise. Matthew 5, 17 says, Jesus himself said, do not think I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. He said, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Jesus fulfilled the law. He fulfilled the word of the prophets by perfectly obeying the law and fulfilling 
the prophetic writings about his coming. Jesus fulfilled moral law. He also fulfilled ceremonial law by becoming the ultimate sacrifice. He became the savior of the world. Jesus became the savior of the world by providing us a way, a better sanctuary. You know, I think it's not by accident today, Joel and Kristen, your last names are Temple. And today, I just wanna speak to you. God's given you everything that you need to carry into the French Antilles. He will be with you. He will give you what you need. He will provide and he's gonna fulfill the promises. It's been a long road. COVID has brought a lot of, of ups and downs for all of us, but especially for missionaries. And you guys have been so faithful and you've stuck to it. And God is going to go with you. He's with you already. And I'm so excited. You know, the same Holy Spirit that's gonna go with them wants to be here with us. He meets every need. In Luke chapter four, eight through 18 through 21, I love this scripture. It says, the spirit of the Lord is on me. This is Jesus reading. If, if you go back to look at Luke, Jesus picked up the scrolls in the synagogue and he used to do this often. He would go and read. And this day he chose this one and he said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for his prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. And then it says, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. I kind of see that as Jesus' mic drop. (laughs) If he did that today in 2023, he might've took the mic and dropped it. I'm just saying. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled. Today, this scripture, imagine, imagine this with me for just a moment. If all of us that's in this room, or if you're watching online at home, or if you're in your office, or if you're driving down, if everyone that can hear my voice right now understood the power that we carry inside of us. If we could truly grasp that His presence walks with us everywhere we go, you know, we might could eventually eradicate poverty. We might could eventually reach every single hungry person in the world. We might even be able to reach all the people in the world with Jesus so that everyone can come to know Jesus. And then you know what else we could do? If we would walk knowing and understanding that, you know, we might see the addicts set free. We might see broken relationships restored. We might just see the prayer that you've been praying for years answered because God meets every need and he has everything that you need inside of you. That's why we meet together as a church because there's power in numbers. My message today is 
because there's power in numbers. My message today is twofold. If you already have a relationship with Jesus, I wanna challenge you. I wanna challenge you to allow God's presence to lead you in everything you do. When you walk into the grocery store, when you walk into your home, when you walk into your church, building this room, this sanctuary, wherever you go, allow God's presence. There might be someone in this room right now. There might be somebody that, maybe this is your first time and and you're going, man, I really need need that in my life. I, I want that in my life. But for those of you that have been around, there might be somebody here that walked in here for the first time looking for something that they need. And if we would take a moment to understand that, we would be able to be the biggest movement of hope that you have ever known or even dreamed about. If every person that walked into this church, we would take time to say, okay, I might have something inside of me that they need. Let me be aware of who is in need today. Let me walk around and see, not just see the people that you always hug. We see them all the time. You could call them on the phone. You could text them later. You could meet up at Starbucks, whatever you wanna do. When you come into this church, if you would come in going, I have the present, I am the temple, I am the church, I have the Holy Spirit in me. What need can I meet today? What does God wanna do through me? Because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And today I wanna talk to the second person that maybe you've never made Jesus king of your life. You've never started a relationship with Jesus or maybe you have before. We wanna give you the opportunity to pray in just a little bit. We want to introduce you to that King, to that Jesus that came into this world so that you could be set free. And our prayer team's gonna come up in just a minute. But before we do that, if you would stand with me all over, wherever you're at, and if you're online, if you would just take a moment to let everything go, if you have the the time and the space, we're gonna go before that King our King Jesus, our Savior, and we're gonna welcome him in this place. We're gonna lift his name above every name. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you have put your Holy Spirit in us. We thank you for the opportunity and the privilege to be the carrier of your presence in this world. You could have done it any other way, but you chose us. And we're so grateful that you've done that for us, Lord. So we lift up your name today. You are our King and you are our Savior. In Jesus' name, let's worship.